Welcome to the Libra Solutions Network. This is Gabriel presenting the summer recap for 2023. Last month, I published a non-combatant's guide to cyber war, making sense of the chaos and the crossfire. The sad, tragic truth is that regular people who may not be interested in engaging in cyber war at all will often find themselves being targets passively. This arms race began when governments across the world started using their taxpayer-funded resources to surveil on citizens all over the world, regardless of whether there was any legal or ethical justification in doing so. In parallel to this, corporations have been vastly collecting information on people from all kinds of directions, and that information has been bought and sold by other corporations and even by governments. That information has provided these institutions and public-private partnerships with the tools to wage cyber war on the public as well as any strategic target. As a continuation, I published Escalating Cyber War, Warlord Technology, Understanding Asymmetric Systems. Asymmetric technology is technology that has more suited to particular uses, either nefarious or beneficial, than others. General purpose technology, like a hammer for example, many people are aware can be used for both evil and good. While I argue that true asymmetric technology is fairly rare, it does exist. For instance, the ability to mass surveil people is fundamentally useless to individuals or even well-meaning institutions. What it does do is it enables a huge amount of human rights abuses that would not have been possible before. Warlord technology is about understanding what systems and devices and tools you are using and who they enable by your use. When you are using free open source software, you are really only empowering yourself. Nobody has the ability to control your devices for you if you are running a fully free open source system. On vice versa, when you are running a totally cloud-enabled smart device that has all these features calling home and asking for permission, you are not just giving up your own freedom, but you are actually enabling a warlord or an institution to do very, very terrible things. Another piece I published was a Q&A with Gary Sharp from Gary Sharp's articles on Substack. And a reference to his book, Outthinking Parkinson's, I called it Outthinking the Culture Wars with Gary Sharp, a Q&A about emotional intelligence in these trying times. A grave concern I have these days is that the culture wars have successfully isolated people from each other, and it is very difficult to communicate across cultural or political lines these days. I think it is paramount that people learn how to set some important differences aside if for no other reasons that they can be clear in negotiating peaceful ways to solve real actual problems. We have spent way too long being divided by petty issues that ultimately undermine our ability to get accountability, solve corruption, and make meaningful difference in people's lives. It was my pleasure to talk to Liam Sturgis about digital autonomy and the arts. 
Liam Sturgis himself is a musician, a producer, an artist himself, who I wanted to take the opportunity to discuss a couple of major points that overlap between free software concerns as well as artistic endeavors. The first one was I wanted to just overall discuss the risks to artists when it comes to their digital autonomy. I also wanted to ask him how he felt about funding various artistic ventures in the age of the gig economy. The other thing also was I wanted to take the opportunity to show off many of the cool free open source tools there are that are quite useful for artistic endeavors. And lastly, I wanted to discuss the collapse of the intangible, which is the fact that with many of these AI generation tools available, it may be easy for those to simply pump out a lot of content. And how does that change things for artists who are sincerely devoted to their craft now be having to compete in a space where there is a lot of stuff that maybe one nihilistically may not see as that different. He had an interesting perspective on that issue, and I think you would enjoy hearing the conversation. Escalating Cyber War It has become cliché that national security is this carte blanche for governments to abuse their authority and just expedite things that maybe should go through proper channels. EU capitals are trying to push for a law that will carve out the ability to spy on reporters, which is really just a reminder that nobody is exempt. While you may not think you have something to hide, the sad truth is you may not care about hiding something for yourself, but it may actually impact other people. If the government is spying on journalists who are handling sensitive information, they may not even know who is protected by the information they are trying to publish. And so when you give an institution the ability to all out control the information landscape, you, there are very troubling implications on governments being able to basically control reporters through this kind of technology. As a continuation of the escalating cyber war theme, a big challenge is that truthfully, the internet never forgets, and many data brokers and organizations have been hoovering up huge amounts of data on people that can now be used against them. Whether it's people's political opinions, religious views, or simply behavior in particular situations, it is a serious problem when this information cannot be eliminated from the record. It exists out there, and unless people are going to start seizing data and deleting it, the sad truth is, is that they will always have this capability over people. If we truly want to protect our rights in an age of data on us being so ubiquitous, we need to compromise on lines that shouldn't be crossed in using people's information against them. In many ways, this is the foundation of a social credit score when you have many institutions all feeding data into what is ostensibly private companies that is then purchased by government that is in theory not allowed to collect this information but is allowed to purchase it from third parties and can then punish people for political purposes. Public-private partnerships are really only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the collaboration between governments and large institutions on various objectives. 
The sad truth of the matter is the power of all these institutions is existentially reliant on their cooperation. It is very difficult for anyone to expect that any of these institutions not act in this way. And so we all need to work on ways to protect each other from this kind of passive surveillance. No matter where you are in the world, there are definitely a couple of legislative pushes going on that should be opposed. It is important that you not only reach out to your representatives and tell them that you believe end-to-end -end encryption is important, that your privacy and security is important and shouldn't be compromised by backdoors, it is also important to support organizations and initiatives that are fighting on your behalf. In the United States, there is the EFF, and there are similar organizations in other countries. The Free Software Foundation is another excellent organization worth supporting. It is a big challenge that many people are apathetic to this problem. The details can be complicated. It's hard for people to really know what's an overreach and what's really just a continuation of existing law enforcement tools. And maybe in some cases, existing law enforcement tools could actually be too much. The Element blog has a good post on how client-side scanning can undermine encryption and people's privacy as well as security. I just like to highlight their main concerns here. As it stands, any form of scanning introduces a weakness on end-to-end -end encrypted products, creating a massive target on either the companies deploying their only tooling or accredited third parties. This looks set to be a jackpot for those seeking to access and abuse communications. This is something that has been creeping for quite a long time. It really wasn't that long ago that the idea that governments across the world would coordinate to suppress information that was either counter-political or simply not in line with their foreign and domestic policy objectives, that would have been unconscionable. But now it is just day-to-day -day operations, so much so that the media itself will defend it when it happens, and very few people will even openly say there's anything wrong with it. Another point they raise is that all current artificially intelligent scanning solutions are intrinsically unreliable, prone to hallucinations, and limited. Yet we should just trust that AI technology will quickly mature and will be developed responsibly without any forms of biases or false positives. With tools that are not super accurate, it can be very difficult to be fair and just in that situation. I personally don't believe the government has any right to interfere with or snoop on private personal communications. It is quite clear that this is a capability they desire due to not being able to completely control information in the past. It is one of the few areas people have left to discuss things in perfect confidence. And I don't think we should ever give up private, secure communications with our loved ones and friends. For some, it may not be immediately apparent how client-side scanning will undermine encryption. This diagram is supposed to help you with this because your communications will go through your device. Your device here will still send it with encryption if you're using something like Signal or Matrix or XMPP. And even though it is sent with encryption and your family receives the proper 
encrypted communications. Client-side scanning, in addition to you sending out your information, will send reports or statistics or any other data they request to the scanning authority, which may be a public-private partnership, and truly does bypass encryption entirely. They are not breaking your encryption by hacking the keys, making you give them the keys. Usually what happens is they are simply checking your photos against a hash database. While initially it may scan only for illegal content, it is not hard to imagine various regimes using it to go after religious minorities or political dissidents with the very same technology. If we allow these systems to be put into place, we are effectively enabling them to be abused in these ways. Now on to information control. This is an accessnow.org statement about turning off the internet or even specific platforms during civil unrest or other emergencies. I'm going to quote them here where they point out, according to human rights law, Internet shutdowns, including arbitrary blocking of online platforms that disregard procedural safeguards, violate human rights. The impacts are especially severe in contexts where people are at most risk of violence. In 2022, Access Now recorded 62 shutdowns during protests across the globe. Data shows a spike in their use to shroud violence and serious human rights abuse, such as brutal crackdowns on protesters. Research also highlighted that network disruptions exacerbate the spread of misinformation as people are denied access to alternative sources of verification channels. This is a very crucial aspect of this problem, where if you have either a government or a gang or other actors going into an area and causing serious devastation, if you allow them to sh get the internet shut down or jam communications, they can effectively manufacture evidence during that event by suppressing all other evidence of that event and fabricating their own. Personally, I believe that internet shutdowns, wherever they happen, are effectively an assault on the public that is affected. Because there are really no situations where a total blanket shutdown of the internet is going to result in a net positive impact on people's lives, especially during a dangerous situation. As a skeptic of government interfering with the internet, I am even more concerned about international organizations trying to seize more control over it. The UN Cybercrime Convention is a treaty that has been in discussion for quite some time and enables a lot of mass surveillance powers. I just want to read this section for you where it says these provisions allow governments with extensive surveillance powers but only offer weak checks and balances to prevent potential law enforcement overreach. States could misuse such powers by misrepresenting protected speech as cybercrime and exploiting the broad scope of these spying powers beyond their initial purpose. This is a serious problem because the scope creep when it comes to cyber war is immense. Government institutions take it for granted that your ability to think and access information is secondary to their need to secure strategic objectives.
It is a given that once this power is granted, it will be expanded and abused. Google is pushing something outright horrible. It's called the Web Integrity Initiative. How it works is that they design a set of criteria for your browser to browse the web, and then they restrict access to only that criteria. That criteria can be whether your browser is up to date, it could be whether you're running an ad blocker, or even digital ID integration. We have no idea what the full scope of this system is going to end up with once it gets implemented. The Free Software Foundation also has an excellent blog post about it, and I'll read it here. By giving developers an API through which they can approve certain browser configurations while forbidding others, WEI is a tremendous step towards enshittification of the web as a whole. Many of us have grown up with a specific idea of the internet, the notion of it as a collection of hyperlinked pages that can be accessed by a wide variety of machines, programs, and operating systems. WEI is this idea's antithesis. Compared to its staggering potential effects, the technical means through which the WEI will accomplish its ends is relatively simple. Before serving a page, a server can ask a third-party verification service to make sure that the user's environment has not been tampered with. A translation of the policy's terminology will help here. This Google-owned server will be asked to make sure that the browser does not deviate in any way from Google's accepted browser configuration, precluding any meaningful use of the four freedoms. It is not far-fetched to imagine a future in which sites simply refuse to serve pages to users running free browsers or free operating systems if the Web Integrity Initiative isn't stopped now. That future will come sooner than we think. A very basic example of how this would work in practice is that a person running an unmodified browser with no ad block on an approved operating system will be allowed through the Web Integrity Initiative to access these various gated services. They could be email, they could be payment providers, cloud storage, you name it. But then somebody else with the same browser, but with Adblock or other unapproved OS or browser changes would then be restricted from these services. So this can be as simple as somebody running Linux for privacy and security reasons. It could be something as simple as you not wanting to opt into a digital ID or whether you simply just don't want to see ads. The web integrity initiative will essentially become a gatekeeper to the web in the way that Cloudflare already is in some instances. Many Cloudflare services are entirely inaccessible from people using Tor to protect their identity, and it actually has already impacted people's ability to access information without divulging their personal information. Using a VPN is one of the things this initiative may or may not allow. Personally, I think this is a reason to double down on trying to move away from some of these gated services and walled gardens. Because even if this particular initiative does not move forward, it is not impossible that they can recreate the same kind of function on their end. It is vital that we all demand truly free and open alternatives to these gated services. Otherwise, we will eventually fall to their control.